Well, welcome back from the coffee break. If I've not had the chance to meet you, my name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors here at the Vineyard. As we continue in our series, The Friendship Factor, one of the encouragements we've been trying to give our church family is everybody would love to have a great friend. Would you agree with that? We all would love to have a great friend in our life. And one of the things that we believe is near the heart of God revealed in Jesus is that we're being transformed to be that great friend, to be that great friend. We all want to have that great friend. It's a whole other conversation to say, are you willing to be that kind of friend? And I just think this is one of the invitations of Scripture and following Jesus. And so we have been looking at uh, the life of Jesus in some of the Gospels. That's New Testament in the Bible, some of the first books in the New Testament. And we're going to continue that together today. And so I just want to give a quick recap on where we've been in the friendship factor. And I want to just kind of, I kind of want to like lay my cards on the table. Is that all right? I'm going to connect why friendship and faith matter in this day and time, and I'm just going to choose to be transparent as your lead pastor for a second. Have you noticed anything in your world, meaning the way you see the world, where there's a lot of opportunity for people to be rude to each other? Okay, there's some chuckles, there's some heads just going, oh, Lord. So, If you didn't realize, commercials changed in the last 30 to 60 days. You're getting text messages from people you've never asked to ever, ever text you, nor do you want them to text you again when you get those political spam texts and things like that. So here's here's what I want you to know. In the kingdom of God, the love of Jesus, we need to walk in friendship when the world around us begins to walk differently than that. We need to walk in friendship and the way of Jesus with people who maybe see the world differently than we see it because we're getting invited to see the world through Jesus above all things, in all things. Because when we sing and worship here at the vineyard, we sing, great are you, Lord. So I invite us to express our friendship in this season for that purpose, that we as the church can be engaged, we can be informed, and we can be like Jesus. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be like Jesus in regards to friendship? Well, here's one of the things we've been saying. We've been trying to define friendship, and we say this, friendship is a mutual and reciprocal relationship rooted in love and intentional investment. An intentional investment. Friendship actually begins to gain momentum and texture and health and life when it's not just a convenience or a consumption, but it's a compelling engagement of love and walking together through the hard things, through the joyful things, through the uncertain things, and it's reciprocal. There's this place of it goes back and forth. You have uh, the ability to influence and be influenced, rooted and established in love. And we've been talking about this idea of this intentional investment, which means we're choosing things. We're choosing to 
put relational equity into the other person. We're choosing to show up and listen and be gracious. And so what we've said are some intentional investments are this, that friendship will be one primary way you live on mission with Jesus. When we think about living missionally in the heart of God, I just want to make it really clear. You do not have to move around the world to live on mission with Jesus. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. So when we engage well in friendship, when we engage well in friendship, we're actually entering into the mission field because that friend is someone God loves. That friend is someone Jesus died for and is pursuing, and his heart is to redeem and to restore and to renew. So we need to see friendship as a primary way we join the mission of God. Let that sink in for a second. When we believe that God is pursuing the people in our lives with grace and mercy, with truth and with love, we join in that story in friendship. We join in that story in friendship. And in week two, what we said is prayer is a primary way we do that. When we are willing to pray for a friend, we just welcome God's heart into the moment, into the circumstance. We welcome God's kingdom to come in the moment, in the circumstance. We ask for God to come meet a need in that moment, in that kind of reality and slice of time, when we have an intentional investment of prayer, we are joining with God's heart for people he loves. And you know what that will require? Courage. It will require courage. What if your friend doesn't believe in Jesus? I hope you have friends that do not believe in Jesus. What if they don't believe in Jesus? My question is, do you? And will you be gracious and will you be kind and will you share your story and your faith with them? Can, can they maybe borrow some of your faith in a moment? So it'll require some courage. The other thing that it'll require is it will require forgiveness. So to all of the Phillies fans that are part of this community, you have my uh, request of forgiveness for our taunting and celebrating in your presence. Because guess what? I have friends in this church who are from Philly. Do you know that? We are a diverse people. If you moved and relocated to Houston, Texas, let me hear you. Okay. So there's like more than one of us here. So in a, in a world that's full of diversity and in a humanity that is full of imperfection, we have to forgive. We need to pray for one another. And we have to walk in forgiveness. I forgive because I've been forgiven. Jesus is the reason I forgive. It's not because I'm great. It's not because I somehow have a better ethic than you. It is absolutely because Jesus is leading me into a way of being that I would not naturally be inclined to. We pray for one another, the intentional investment. We forgive because we've been forgiven, period. I love what Kevin Rivas shared last week as he was preaching. It was a great message. If you did not get the chance to hear Kevin preach, you can grab our podcast on iTunes if you happen to subscribe to things like that. It is available on our website. There are other ways to get it. But let me tell you this. He gave this really helpful thought that we forgive out of our purpose, not our personality. 
It's not out of our own strength. It's not because like I got the forgiving gene and so I, I operate in that. It is actually because the living God revealed in Jesus died on a cross, communicates forgiveness to me, and I say, that is my story. And so I become generous with my forgiveness to everyone, most often applied to the people closest to me, because they will have more opportunity to hurt me, wound me, disappoint me. So we got to practice it at home. we got to practice it with our roommate. we got to practice it with our friend. Forgiveness is key. Do you all have, so... Pray for one another, and we need to forgive. I want to connect another dot. We preached out of the book of James. The men's Bible study that I'm a part of in small groups have been reading through James. We've been kind of hanging out in there, and it has been so life-giving to me. I'm so grateful for those men that are gathering and reading the scriptures together. And I just want to remind us how James closes in chapter 5, because it is shows us the way of being a community of Jesus. James 5, 13 through 16 says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Even our rejoicing is a prayer back to God of gratitude and thanks. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, we can be a community of confession because we are a community of forgiveness. I actually don't show up afraid or in shame. I show up authentic and honest, and I say, this is what's real, and I have a need. I do that in God's presence, and I learn to do that in community and friendship. And so when we begin to connect these together, what we see is a friendship factor of intentional investment is we pray, we forgive, and we care for one another. It's like the scriptures just write the story. Isn't that good news? Okay. Guys, if we can't be excited about what God's doing in the earth, who's going to be excited about it? This is good news. This is good news. We pray because the living God is living and at work and interested in writing a story of redemption. We forgive because we have been, so that means everybody we talk to, we don't talk to you from a posture of like, I'm so good, I didn't even need forgiveness. What's wrong with you? We relate to people out of our humility that says, look at what God's done for me. And if God would do that for me, I will do that for you. And then it softens our heart in humility to to exercise one of the most important friendship factors, which is care. To care for one another, to walk with one another in a posture of concern and empathy, to be present is what we all need. In a world that is splintering, in a society that is distancing, in moments of uncertainty, in pain, in sorrow, in jubilation, 
we want to feel the presence of care. So just think about your own story for a minute. Think about a time that you actually received deep care from a friend. Let that get to the surface for you. I've had some time to think about this, and maybe you're just, it was an ambush. It was a surprise. You didn't prep a sermon to preach this week. Think about what it meant to you to be cared for. As we read the scriptures, let that, let that kind of get to a place where there's, there's a sense of connection in your life to who God is and what he might be doing. Because what we continue to see in this idea of the friendship factor is we want our faith to inform everything about who we are. We want our faith to give us a quality as Jesus followers that we're showing our neighbors what friendship looks like. We're showing our cities what love looks like. We are loving our neighbor. We are loving our enemy. Because the life and love of Jesus give us the ultimate example of life-giving friendship. I'm curious, how many of you, as you thought about your own story and care, it was not good news in the moment? You were being cared for in distress. You were being cared for in pain. You were being cared for in sickness, in weakness. See, we need good news to enter into our story, and most often it's going to enter into our story through one another because it enters into the story and the person of Jesus. So turn with me to Matthew 8. And we're going to see some stories of how the good news of Jesus moves in in a way of care because we need it. We need it. Matthew 8, verse 1. It says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. It's an interesting text. What kind of captures your attention? Part of that story do you kind of find yourself moving towards? In a day and time where large crowds and Extensive gatherings seem to be kind of the aim and the target. Is it interesting that we get a story of a single person? Is it that this kind of person in humility comes and just falls at the feet of Jesus? Is it the miracle? Is it the immediately? 
And either that gives you hope or that actually crushes your spirit because you think, I've never had that immediate moment. Why would God not do that for me when I prayed for immediacy? What moves you towards the text? Well, here's one of the things that I think we need to see is we need to see Jesus always. And what we see is Jesus cares about our pain and wounds. Jesus cares about our pain and wounds, and he is willing to be close to us. He is willing to get as close as needed and does not avoid what people in that day and time would have avoided, does not distance in the way people in that day and time would have distanced. Jesus shows us the way of the kingdom, the authority, the rule and reign of God that we want to take full hold of us Jesus says, this is what it looks like. This is how it's lived out. This is how it's embodied. I reach towards the person in pain. And I even do the culturally inappropriate thing. I touch the unclean. Jesus today cares about your pain and your wounds. Here's about mine. Some of my own story, I think about sitting in worship as a part of this church family, and all I could do was pour out tears because of the pain and the wounds. And I just imagine Jesus would just come and just sit next to me. And I just imagine that Jesus would weep with me. Is that the Jesus that you know? Is that the friendship factor that you are stewarding and cultivating in your own heart and life? It's a humility. And I just want us to know that we know that we know that Jesus reached out and touched the unclean. And when Jesus does that, he enters into our story and he gives us a better story. He begins to write a redemption and a healing and a hope for us. And what's interesting in this to me is I just want to, I just want to like, ham, I'm just going to like just hammer it like further in. Is that okay? Good. Thank you. Because um, the thing that we have to know is that Jesus is willing to meet us in our mess. He doesn't say to the person, if you would go get clean, if you'll go offer the thing you're supposed to offer to get clean, then come back and see me. That is not how Jesus operates. Jesus says, I am the one you need. Welcome. So Jesus meets us in our mess and begins to do work right there. Because here's the thing that we need to understand. The work that God is doing is God's work for us to receive, not our religious work to get clean so we can then come to God. Do you all see that? This is actually really important. Jesus will meet us in our mess. What I do think that is beautiful in this is the humility of heart. The humility to come say, you have what I need. Are you willing? Not God, you better do this. God, if you don't heal me right now, I don't believe in you anymore. If you don't do this, if you don't do that, it was not demand. It was, it was humility. Humility, humility. This week I was reading and this, this quote came across uh, my feed and it just stopped me in my tracks and it talked about prayer and it said we should not relate to prayer as our religious practice but that prayer is the outflow of a broken spirit. To be poor in spirit will infuse our prayer more than anything. 
to come to the place that we have deep need and we cry out to God and we just cry out to God, not because we're so religious, but because we're so poor, we need what God has. And it just grips me. And yes, we should pray because it's good for us. I'm not saying that. And I, and I think we do need to engage practices and rhythms out of obedience because it's actually good for us to train and bend our will to Jesus. But think about that. The poverty of this person's life and spirit before Jesus. Are you willing to care for me? Have you let God know where you need care recently? Have you said, God, I, I need you to care for me? Are you willing in this area of my life where I've been doing it my own way? Are you willing in this part of my life where I'm broken and I'm sad and I'm discouraged? Are you willing to meet me in my mess? And then my question to us is, are we that kind of friend? Are we willing to meet people in their mess? Are we willing to go and sit with and prepare a meal and pray with and listen to? Jesus reached out. He was so close. We have to get close to provide this kind of care. And the other thing that I want to say about this is, if we avoid the pain, we avoid the friendship. If we avoid the wound, we avoid a really important part of that person's story. And this actually will apply to like the closest of relationships. So, if you're single and have a best friend and there's a wound in the relationship and you start avoiding the wound, you avoid the relationship. You begin to avoid the person. If you happen to have a child in your life and there's a wounding there and you start avoiding and you don't deal with the thing, which is why we talked about forgiveness last week. And we talked about prayer the week before because it's all about humility and being open and available. If we avoid the pain and the wound of the person's life, we actually avoid the person. So when we begin to say we can be the kind of people that will care for you in the pain, will care for you in the sickness, will care for you in the weakness, that conveys the thing we all need to hear. That we are loved in our weakness as much as we are loved in our strength. And when that happens... When that happens, the care we receive is our testimony. The care we receive is our testimony. Look at what God did for me. Look at what God did for me. There's no better eyewitness testimony than your own story of God meeting you and you sharing that with the people in your life. And if you're keeping that from the people in your life, I would ask you to consider why. Why are you not telling your story? Because when you receive care, it is a testimony to the reality of God, the reality of the church, the reality of hope, the reality of friendship, and it tells the story we all need to hear that you're not excluded because of your weakness. You're not excluded because of your pain. You're not excluded because you're unclean. You are welcomed to come and receive the same way I did. The care we receive is our testimony. I was weak. I was sick. I was shattered. I was afraid. I was alone. I was insecure. I was addicted. I was fill in the blank. And my friend came to my side. 
is a picture of Jesus. And God met me in a time of prayer. And God met me in a time of worship. And God met me in a time of being in nature. And God met me and spoke hope to my heart. Now I'm just curious. How old was this person with leprosy? How long had they had leprosy? How many times had they asked for healing? How many times had they longed to be made clean? So if the thing in your life is worth a miracle in a one-and-done immediate moment, it is worth praying until God breaks through. Because you are loved and you are worth the long care, the ongoing care, the sense of a, a community saying, we will walk with you until you get the fullness that we get on eternity side. But here and now, we're going to continue to pray the Lord's Prayer every week. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because we will not grow tired and weary of joining the heart of God that says, this is not okay. I want better for my friend. I want healing for my friend. And we might not get it all right now. And you know what happens when we pray prayers that don't get answered and we keep praying and we keep showing up and we keep voicing hope and we keep asking God to move? Do you know what happens? Our friends and our family are cared for. They're cared for. They're cared for because we can share in the sorrow. They're cared for. And the care we receive in our testimony might not be a miraculous healing. It might be my church family prayed for me and with me for 40 years. They never left my side. They never avoided the thing that was so hard for me. They were with me. And when I felt like God was far, somebody walked close and reminded me that God was nearer than I realized. That's the care we received. That's our testimony. The story of God. This matters. Because when I think of my story and I think of the story around people that I'm with right now is that this matters when we face death. And I want to call us back to Jesus. That even the ultimate wound and pain, even the ultimate thing we might experience in this life, Jesus tells a story of resurrection life. And so we have to root ourselves in that story, which is why we can step up with care. Because in any moment, at anything going on, we can say, I am with you in the pain, which means we grieve together. We have sorrow together. We step up and express care and the joy and the jubilation, and we celebrate with, and we go, I'm going to step into your story for a second. 
I'm going to let my life not be about me. I'm going to let it be about you. And so we tell this story of friendship that breaks selfishness and self-absorption, and we meet people in the pain and sorrow, and we join people in the joy and jubilation, and we show the way of God's kingdom, the now and the not yet, the both and, that we mourn as an expression of following Jesus, and we celebrate, and we're willing to do the thing that is needed among the people we are with in that moment, because it is the way of Jesus. A couple practical thoughts on this, and then I'm going to move us into a time of prayer. When we care, we need to welcome the authority of Jesus. Care welcomes the authority of Jesus. If you keep reading, there's this wonderful story of a person in in power, military power, who comes and humbles himself to Jesus and says, heal my servant. He knew Jesus as Lord. If we know Jesus as Lord, in any given moment, you might feel like you don't know what to say. You don't have the right resources for the moment. That is okay. Be free. Because care is about welcoming the authority of Jesus and the resources of his kingdom more than it is you being the shining star with all the right things to say and all the resources and all the stuff. You can sit and go, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to welcome Jesus. So care welcomes the authority of Jesus. It's humility. It is faith. Jesus, you are Lord of this. I don't know how to make sense of this. This doesn't make sense to me. But you are Lord. Would you come and care? Would you come and meet? Would you come and restore? Would you come and heal? Would you come and bring a good meal? We welcome God's kingdom. We welcome the authority of Jesus. And here's the thing that we all need to do. This is what we all long for, but care prioritizes our friends' needs. Uh, My best friend uh, in my life, was an interesting journey for us. But I remember there was a season of best friendship where I I just was so eager to serve and make it about them. And I just thought I was so humble. I was great, guys. It's just so... That friend was lucky. And as the story has been written, I realized how often my needs get prioritized in the way I relate to my best friend. Would you do this for me? Would you cater to me? Would you care for me? And there's nothing wrong with being cared for and receiving care, but here's the thought that I want to put in front of us. Care prioritizes our friends' needs. We need to be connected to Jesus so we're getting resourced and we're getting vision to step forward and go, what do you need, friend? Friend, how can I pray for you? How can I care for you? What is happening in your story right now where you need Jesus? What is happening in your story right now where you need hope? What is happening in your story where you are celebrating and we can multiply the celebration because I will celebrate with you. Even if I'm weeping in my own story, your story becomes hope to my soul. Your story gives me a reminder that it's not all death and destruction, but that there is a story of goodness and mercy and generosity that I get to be a part of. I'm actually going to be, I'm going to glean from your story. I prioritize my friend's needs. We do this when we notice our friends. We need to notice them. Friend, I see you. You seem sad today. 
What's going on? You seem tired today. How? What's going on? You seem extra chipper because we talk like that. No. On a scale of emojis, how's your day going? We pray. We carry one another's burdens. We carry one another's stories. And we respond with compassion. The heart of Jesus, if you keep reading Matthew 8 to Matthew 9, Matthew 9 gets to this point where Jesus looks out over the city and it says he saw them harassed and helpless and he had compassion on them. Oh, church, we need humility and compassion. We need the presence of Jesus so that we can prioritize the needs of our friends. Notice the people in your life. Notice your coworkers. Notice your neighbors. Most people go through their life not being noticed. Let's be a community that notices one another. Let's ask. Let's pray. Let's carry. Let's serve. And that sounds nice, right? Like, oh, let's just be kind. Let's just be friends. Seems easy enough. You know what makes friendship hard? Self-centered living. It just does. Like, if your whole world is about you, it's hard for it to be about other people, oddly enough. So when selfishness, you can ask my best friend, when selfishness takes over my life, it's actually not good for them. Fatigue. Anybody been tired since COVID? Oh, come on. It's a place we can be honest. You're like, it was way before COVID, Kurt. Uh, I've been tired for a long time. <laughs> it was like, let's just be honest. Fatigue makes it hard to care for other people. Busyness. Just our lives being so full and there being so much that we're sort of spent at anywhere we turn. So just pay attention to where you're living your life and see who you can care for. Like, let that be the missional place you're living. Let that be the good place you're living. Set reminders on your phone or your calendar to check in with someone. How are you doing? Turn the attention from yourself to the other person. That is how we express friendship. And when it's mutual, you can know and trust that you will care and be cared for. It goes both directions. Here's a practical application that I've seen lived in our church this week, and I'm so grateful for it. And it's in the midst of sorrow, and it's in the midst of celebration. Here at the Vineyard, we have a care team that provides meals for people. You might not know that, because it might be hard to find in the midst of everything that you've seen or known about. So I'm going to put a picture up here. In the midst of celebration, maybe somebody's welcoming new life. And they're going to be preoccupied and sleepless because maybe they're bringing the joy of a little one into their home. We can take meals for a few days, for a few weeks. And you can sign up and you can express friendship and care from a church family to somebody in the life of our church. And in the midst of sorrow and pain, because maybe it's been a story of death that has gripped unexpectedly its loss and its heartache, and that grips us 
and takes us into the places we never want to experience because what I know is that when we experience death and loss and heartache, our hearts go, why? Why? And our church family can say, I don't know, but let us come near you and move close to you. And here's a meal. And all you have to do is scan the QR code. And if you're happening to watch online, you can go to paralandvineyard.org forward slash connect, click serve opportunities, and just let us know you like to cook or you like to DoorDash. People feel cared for either way when food shows up that they didn't have to think about, they didn't have to take care of. In sorrow and in celebration, we care. In hurt and heartache, we care. In noticing, we care. And if you sign up to be a part of this team, you don't always have to take a meal, but you'll be notified when there's an opportunity. And if you need a meal, you now know that that's an opportunity here at the church. So you just email the church office and go, I'm having a really hard time. Could you make a meal train for me? We go, yeah. We would love to care for you in a tangible way. Here's the last thought. Meeting people in their place of need is how we express care. It's really profound. <laughs> Some of you are thinking like, I've never heard that before, Kurt. It's actually not profound. It is, it is actually the practical way I want to see us live out our faith in Jesus. That we would be willing to say, what is it you're going through right now? What is the need of your life and your heart and your mind and your relationships and your circumstances and situation? Bring that here. So we have to make time for each other. We have to invest in each other. We have to understand that there's a God who cares, which is why we care. So we can pray for one another. We understand that it's not all going to go good. We're going to mess up so we can forgive one another. We can carry the sorrow. We can carry the sorrow because what I know in my story here in the life of this church is that when I experienced heartache and pain and uncertainty, it was a willingness of somebody to come say, I will be with you. I am willing to be with you. That held me up when I couldn't hold myself up. And if that's not been your experience, I'm going to ask that you forgive us. Because we missed it. Maybe we didn't know. Maybe we didn't notice. Maybe we weren't close enough to ask. Maybe we weren't close enough to recognize something had changed. Maybe we weren't courageous enough to move where you needed us to move or to follow up in the way we said we would follow up. And so all I can say is I want to try again. We want to try again because this is the way of Jesus. And we're not going to be perfect, but we want to continue to look to Jesus and follow the way of Jesus. So in the friendship factor, when we care, God's kingdom comes. And when you care outside of these walls, we are living on mission together.